let's open our Bibles to, there's a couple of places that we're going to read. Um, the first one is going to be Philippians chapter 4. And then we're also going to be in Exodus 33. So we'll kind of feel our way through this. Um, the Lord's just kind of taken, taken me on a, a different path, same topic for this morning. But I want to talk about being a presence-based church. Would you say that with me? Hosting his presence? Hosting his presence. We want to host his presence well. So there are three things that we want to be really, really good at. At, at, if we're going to be good at any three things, we want to be good at these three things. We want, to, we want to host the presence of God well. Like when he shows up, we want to be involved in whatever he is doing. We want him to be, we want to be with him and him with us. All right? Everybody good? The second thing, we want to be really good at community. Authentic relationships and community. Jesus said this, they will know that you're my disciples by the love you have for one another. So community has to be a big deal of what we do. And you'll be hearing me talk about these topics individually. The third thing that if we're going to be good at three things, we're going to be good at the presence of God. We're going to be good at loving one another well and being inviting. And number three, we're going to be people of faith. We're going to point our faith at impossible things and they're going to bow in Jesus' name. We're going to pray for the sick and they will recover. We're going to cast out demons and oppressive spirits that are on people's lives. We are going to pray over marriages and they are going to be healed. Yeah, come on. We're going to pray over businesses and they're going to prosper. We're going to pray over addicts and they're going to be set free in a moment in Jesus' name. Like that's what we're going to be about as a church. And so um, today I want to talk about the first one of those, and I, I want to go about it maybe in a little bit different perspective, but I want to talk about the presence of God. And how many have heard the term omnipresent? Omnipresent. And what does that mean? Everywhere. He's everywhere. God is omnipresent, which means he is everywhere all the time. Like God is not like us. He's not flesh and blood. He's a spirit. And the act, he actually fills the whole universe with his presence. So when we say we want to host his presence, it's not like we're saying we want to invite God to, to come into the room we're in because he's already in that room. But what we want to do is we want to become very uh, better at being aware of his presence and his activity in the room. Because I've been in situations where I walked into, uh, maybe someone was having an argument and they were fighting, and I walked into the room after they were fighting, and you could feel the presence of their argument. Yeah. Anyone ever done that before? Or you walked in and you know they were talking about you right before you came in the room, you're like, oh, my ears are burning. Like, there is an atmosphere that we can become aware of. Like we can create atmospheres. Well, God creates atmospheres. He creates atmospheres. I, I remember many times I, I feel like I, I wake up in the morning and I lift my head into a, a cloud and he's there. Like, oh, I just sat up into a cloud. I didn't do anything. I just woke up and I was like, oh, I'm thinking about God. Like that wasn't intentional. So God was hovering and singing over me and I woke, I woke up and interrupted him. <laughs> so there is this atmosphere that God creates. There's a presence that it's him crying out to us to be noticed. Like God wants our attention. He does things so that we're like, oh, that was God. I noticed that. And so what we want to be really good at as a church is when God is doing something, we want to highlight it. Yeah. 
When God is in something, we want to focus on it, and we want not just to focus on it ourselves, we want to draw attention to him. See, the uh, experience that the, the Israelites and all of creation had with God until Jesus left the earth was that you approach God as you approach a king or a ruler or a judge. He's on his throne. He's seated in a specific location. And you come from another location and you enter into his presence and you approach his throne. And so they knew God as someone or as something that they would, that they would enter into and out of. They would enter into the presence of God and then they would go back to their tent. They would enter into the presence of God and then they would go back to their own life doing their own thing. And the Bible would even say that the spirit of God would come upon people and then he would descend from them. So all of history, we were wired to think of God and this is still something we're breaking today because it is in our genetic coding. It's like God's here. Well, I leave church. God was there, but he's not in my car with me. But Jesus came to break down that dividing wall that said that God is in a specific location. And the only way you can get into that location is to follow these specific rules. And when you do all these rules, then you get to approach the king. Jesus came and said, I came to show you the father. And then I'm leaving so that not only will you have seen the Father, but I'm going to send you another helper who's going to come live inside of you so that the experience that I had with my Father, you're going to have with my Father. And the reason that's so revolutionary, this is the reason the gospel is so important. Like this part is the crux of the gospel. God is personally present with us. Jesus came and showed us the Father. He ascended into glory and sent us another helper so that the way he experienced God was not, uh, this was, becomes the same way we experience God. And what I, what I stumbled on there was Jesus didn't enter into God's presence and then leave his presence. Everywhere Jesus went, the Father was with him and he even described it like this. I am in the Father, finish it, and the Father is in me. And he even prayed a prayer, Father, make them one. In John 17, make them one the same way you and I are one. In other words, the way that I know that you're always with me, the way that I know that you have enveloped me, we, we said it in prayer this morning, the Passion Translation uses this language for it. The, the uh, sorry, I blanked on it. The wraparound presence of God the enveloping wraparound presence of God. So Jesus came and died, not just for our sins to be forgiven. He did not come, live and die and be resurrected just so we could be acquitted of our crimes. He came, lived and died and ascended into heaven so that we could experience the exact same relationship he had with his father right now on the earth. That means that there is no thing in life that I will encounter that I do alone. I don't have to approach God as a judge on a throne and I have to be summoned into his presence. All I have to do is 
speak directly to him. The Bible says that we have gained access to the throne of God. Access used to be denied to the throne of God. There were so many regulations. And then if you weren't born in the right tribe of Israel, you couldn't even go into the presence of God. Only the Levites could perform ministry to God. But Jesus came to break down all of those old codes and all those regulations that served a purpose. They weren't bad. They served a purpose. But Jesus came to say, hey, the way that mankind has thought about God for all these thousands of years has ended right now when he said it is finished. And the living, omnipresent, personal presence of God has now become accessible to every man, woman, boy, girl on the planet at the mention of his name. And that's what it means to be a presence-based church. It means that every time I face a good thing, a bad thing, a crisis, I am not on my own facing that crisis. When I approach God and I approach his throne of grace and I'm asking for his help, I'm not going before an unjust king that I have to prove my case to. I'm going before a father who absolutely loves me and would go to great depths to make sure that my interests are served in every situation of life. See, when a judge is ruling on a case, he's making sure that the interest of the court and the law is served. But when the just judge, the father, is involved in a case, he's making sure that all things work to the good of anyone who loves him. The law isn't being served. The relationship is being served. That's what it means to be a presence-based church. It's not just about his presence coming into a room. It's about I am with him every single moment of every single day. If I go to the heavens, he's there with me. If I go to sleep, he's there with me. If I go through crisis, he's right with me. If I go through rejoicing, excellent moments where I hit a home run, he's there with me. He is all around us, completely woven into every part of our life. So why have we ever been anxious? Do you know what anxiety is? Anxiety is imagining my future without God. That's literally what it means. Anytime I have become anxious about something, it's because I have started a process in my mind where I'm picturing the future without God's input in that future. Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7. You guys will know this verse. is one of the most commonly quoted verses. If you want to look up encouraging Bible verses on the internet, it's going to be one of the ones listed there. Like Google knows. Like this needs to be in the top 20. If Google knows, then, you know, come on. So Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything. Would you say that with me? Do not be anxious about anything. And then it gives the solution to it. But in everything, remember your relationship with God. I changed it. This is the Jared Patterson version. (laughs) But in everything, with prayer and offerings of supplication, make your requests known to the Lord. 
and the God of peace who passes all of your understanding and all of your wisdom and all of your plans and schemes will guard your heart. I love that he starts with the heart. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Above all else, guard your heart, for from it springs all of life. He will guard the peace of God will pass, that passes all understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Here's the point. Don't be anxious about anything, because in your anxiety, you are scheming your future without God's input. You are coming up with solutions and plans that may sound wise. The Bible says it like this. Be not wise in your own eyes. Proverbs says, there is a way that seems right unto man, but it leads to destruction. The point of this is not that man is stupid. The point is man is stupid without God's input. I am a fool without God's input. Even all of the knowledge that maybe I've attained in my life, even if I want to take credit for that and say I own that knowledge, then that makes me a fool just saying that. Because I can do nothing apart from him. I do not make good decisions without God. Every now and then I'll trip into one where God's like, yeah, I'm going to throw you that one because... You were really really off there. You needed my assistance without knowing because if you knew, you probably would have messed that up. So I'm just going to intervene here for you. But David learned a secret relationship with God. Did you know David had a, had a, uh, had a different relationship with God than, than many people, than most people had in the Old Testament? He had an intimate relationship with God where, where he showed the, kind of the New Testament in the Old Testament where he sang songs to God and he, he knew that God was with him everywhere and not just in a temple. Like he had a revolutionary perspective of God. And so here's the point. Don't be anxious about anything, but communicate those things to the father because communicating with him is the solution to peace. Peace does not come because we got the thing we asked for. Peace is not an answer to a problem. Peace is not a raise at work. Peace is not a new house. Peace is not a new car. Peace is not any of those. Peace is a person named Jesus. And he is relationally invested in our lives. We want to be a church that knows how to host the presence of God well. Then we have to be a church that is not anxious about anything. Because we know full well that he has been in my past, he will be in my present, he will be in my future. You know, this last week has been just a, a crazy fast week, and I am going to tell some of my, our testimony right now. Um, crazy week. Um, so we're like, we've been renting since about 2010, 2008, somewhere in there. Wait, when was it? 2010. So in 2010, we started renting, and we've been renting houses and paying some other persons, making money for them for 10 years. We lived in, how many remember our, our play, a little place at uh, 2441, Har, uh, Har, what was it called? Graham. The little duplex we lived in, it was the top, uh, up, it was really small for us, right? We lived there because we had to. Like, we just, 
we made hard decisions. Then we moved into the house we're in now because we need to. Now we're like growing. And so Manny's like, we should look for a house. I'm like, you crazy. <laughs> we can't do that. My understanding comes in like, like this, this A plus B, it does not equal C right now. I'm like, maybe 2021. That sounds like a good plan. We can start saving, setting aside, getting stuff together. Well, part of that was because, I'll just tell it. I, I have, you know, I'm not hiding anything. In, in 05, we bought a house. Mandy and I both were working at the time. When we had Matthias, Mandy's like, I don't want to work anymore. I want to be at home and raise our kids. And I was like, okay. That just cut our income literally in half. In half. We start trying to sell our house, and every time it went for sale, it would fall through. For a year or two years, we went back and forth trying to sell our house. We knew we were not going to be able to afford our house. We went to a financial advisor through um, Dave Ramsey, and the lady's like, your car is a, is a house payment. Turn your car in. I was like, what? what do you mean turn, like, you just go, like, return it? No, you're, you're what's it called, um, voluntary repossession of your car. I'm like, no, 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 that's a sin. That's stupid. They're like, no, what's stupid is not paying your bills. That's a sin. Yeah. I was like, all right. So we turned our car in, and we settled for our car, and we paid, it, paid, paid them what they settled with us. We're still in this house that we can't afford Every time we try to sell it, it falls through, literally every single time. So we try short sales, it's gonna end up in foreclosure if we don't sell it. And that's what happened. It ended up in foreclosure. We were so upset, we were embarrassed, we were ashamed, we felt like we were not Christians, we felt like we were not good stewards. And so since that time to now, we've been completely rebuilding our life. We've changed the way we do things. Let me say something that she told us that even change, we used to, uh, we used to do things like double tithe. Like, that's not even a thing. Like, tithe is 10%. The offering is anything over the 10%. And we showed her what we were giving in our, our tithes and then our offerings, and she's like, you cannot pay double tithes. That, we're like, but we're being generous. She's like, you can't be generous when you're not paying your bills. She's like, pay your tithe, 10%. That's being obedient. Give your offerings, but don't call it generosity because you're giving more. You're being irresponsible is what she told us. I'm like, I'm a pastor's kid. What are you talking to? Tell, I'll teach you the Bible. Yeah, she's right. She was right. We wanted to go on a vacation. We hadn't had a break in forever. We got kids, young kids. We want to go on vacation. She's like, who do you think you are going on vacation when you aren't paying your bills? Do you think it's right to go on vacation when you owe this other man? I was like, Ooh, this is like a financial sozo. I was so mad and offended. And then by the time it was over, I was like, you're absolutely right. We, we are idiots financially. And guess what we did? We did everything she told us to do. She said, turn your car in. We turned our car in settle with them. She helped us write letters to send to people we owed money. She helped us settle accounts. When our house did go into foreclosure, as she advised us through it, she told us how to settle with that. So we didn't just foreclose on our house. We paid what the, the, the lender told us they would settle with us. We didn't just turn it in. So for 10 years, we've been paying and dealing with stuff in the past and living a hard, tight season. So when I thought about owning a house again, it's a painful subject. 
Like, it's really nice to pay that rent and say, hey, John, the uh, garbage disposal is not working. You want to come over and fix it? It's, it that's, there was a lot of that involved. And, and Manny's like, we've, we've got to move into a house. I was like, I agree with you, just not right now. Well, God says now, it's now. When God says this now, it's now. My credit score is up to the excellent range. <laughs> Come on, dude. I didn't even know that. I thought I had bad credit. They're like, no, you have excellent credit. I'm like, what? That means that you can do some things you didn't know. So we start dreaming, like, oh, we could. So we're like, well, let's, eight days ago, we're like, let's just see the numbers. Let's just send it to the, to the realtor and let's just see numbers, start looking at houses. And long story short, we go tomorrow to do the inspection on a house that, we, that is literally our dream house. I cannot even, come on, it's God. <laughs> We're gonna have all of, every, all of y'all over all the time. Hey, Rodney, there's a pool table that they're leaving for me, for you and Ken to come over and whoop me and pull. <laughs> the house was built, just, just a little details, I'm gonna be quick, but the house was built in 1975. Jared was built in 1975. <laughs> And I knew it when I walked in. She's like, the house was built then. And the pool table, guess where the pool table was built? Irving Stinkin', Texas. <laughs> like, I was built in Irving Stinkin', Texas in 1975. And so we walk in and we're looking at the house. I see the pool table. This isn't Arlington. This is right close to where we live right now. And I see the pool table. Like, yeah, the pool table's gonna stay. And I re- look down and it says, made by so-and-so, Irving, Texas. So I was like, oh, Lord, that's a sign. Like, don't get, don't get my hopes up. Here's why I'm telling you this. Because I'm excited, yes, but also because it fits in with what I'm talking about. I was fearful and anxious, and it hit me that I was doing this outside of God's presence. And I was like, I can't do this, and my understanding and my reasoning. And we've had this saying that we will not do anything in life without peace. We will go where peace is, because Jesus is leading us into this place, then there will be peace with it. And so, long story short, we weren't even looking at this house. We were looking at a house across the street that needs probably $50,000 worth of work. So the price, we could get it to where we want, but it would be a long re, re, uh, renovation and all kinds of stuff. And we were kind of like, yeah, we, we could probably do that. It's a really great house. The, the neighborhood is what sold us. And we looked down the hill and we're like, there's a house for sale. It never came up on any of our searches because we were only searching for four bedroom houses. Well, this one has three bedrooms, but then it has a game room that's so big it can be two bedrooms. It has a sunroom, and so we never saw it. We pulled it up. We're like, we got to look at this. So here's the miracle to all of it, right? I won't get into all the details. The ridiculous favor. We call the realtor. They're like, yeah, we'll even come down ten to fifteen thousand off of off of that price. We didn't ask for them to. We we're just inquiring. The house isn't owned by a person, which made this way easier. This house is owned by a corporation, and they use this home for their relocation people that moved to Dallas-Fort Worth. So the house has been immaculately taken care of, professionally manicured lawn, professionally cleaned. It looks like, like a magazine we walked in. It was beautiful. And no one's lived there since June of 2018. 
and this company is tired of paying the mortgage on this place and is ready to get rid of it. So we're like, we'll make you a low offer. We're going to be, we're, we're going to ask you to throw in money. We're going to ask you to help with the down payment. We're going to ask you to pay for all closing costs. We're just going for it. We rolled the dice and put it all in. And they're like, no, we'll come down 2000 off of our price. We're like, okay, we can play this game. We'll come up 2000 on our offer. And they come back and say, let's just not do this. Here's the bottom line that we have to get to so we don't lose money. If you can come to that place, then we'll do all the other things you ask us to do. We'll help, we'll pay all closing. We'll help you with your down payment by reducing the price through giving you money for a down, but this is ridiculous stuff that does not happen. And God did all of it and it wasn't even on our list of houses. The details. And I told Mandy, we were talking about it, and we are just working through it, the ups and downs of experiencing this, and it happened so fast that we weren't ready. Like, we weren't here. We weren't there. We were a year away. I was. Mandy may have been there, but I was a year away. And I'm talking to her on the phone. I'm like, but babe, we're not doing this, just me and you. We're, we're with God. God's with us. We're not going into the season alone. He is leading us into the season. And I begin to become, begin to just stir up emotions in me that I looked back over my life and I've never been alone. Yeah. yeah. Come on. Ah, we never walk alone, Liverpool fan. We never walk alone. Like, not one season. How many have ever felt alone before? Yeah. We weren't alone. No. He's with us right now. He's personally present with us in every situation. And he's in the details. We wanted to live in the country. There's nowhere we can live in the country and get to church and do all the stuff we need to. So guess what? Guess where we're moving? We're moving into a, a place called Dow Worthington Gardens in Arlington. And you know what it says on their website? We're country living in the middle of the city. God, come on. There are horses around the corner from us. Our neighbor's house is like, I don't know, over a million dollars. They're looking over our, our shoulder at us. The, the neighborhood next to us, the houses look like the big houses you see on golf courses. And we're like, we get to be in this neighborhood with those people? Like, this is crazy. And God did all of it. We got out of the car to look at the house, and there was a, a blanket of peace and quiet. And I asked Matthias, like, what do you like most about it? He's like, it's peaceful. I was like, you're right. So I can't wait till we have an event and invite all of you over because all of you can fit in our house. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It, last testimony on this. The price that we're buying the house at is almost, it's around $90,000 less than what it started being listed at, which means we walk into the house and immediately have equity. Immediately. If we sold this house in the future, all the houses in the neighborhood that are like this one are selling for over three hundred to $310,000. We walk into it with equity that we didn't have. And it was like God saying, we're going to prepare you for your future. You can expand here. I was telling um, Hank or maybe Shagoon that, honestly, when people come to my house now, I'm embarrassed. Because it's... It, it does not represent the inside of me. 
Not, not that we don't keep it clean. That's not what I'm talking about. It is not our house. I, we can't host people. You get four people in our house and it's loud chaos. It's just so small. And the first thing I thought is we can have everyone at the church over all at the same time. Our kids have plenty. It'll be fun. Anyway, that's what God did for us. Fast. Quickly. Thank you. Yeah. So when Moses and them are leaving, he's like, I, you know my name, God. He's telling, having this conversation with God. Like, you know who I am and you know my name, but I don't know who you are in your name. So if you'll tell me your name, then I'll tell the people we're leaving. But if you don't go with us, we ain't going. And that's what it means to be presence-based people. God, if you're not in this, I don't want it. I even said to Shagun, if this thing falls through, it's because God does not want it to happen, then I don't want it because it would be like holding a snake in my hand. But if God wants me to have it, who am I to limit him? Amen? (laughs) He is with us. In every season of life. I don't know if there's someone here, you've been anxious, someone listening to the podcast. If you have been anxious, start imagining your future through the lens of hope and seeing that he is with you in that future. That you are not going into that season alone. Last thing I want to say is, and probably talk more about this some in the future when I think through it and study it more, but the word tipping point just keeps coming to my mind. Uh, so like a tipping point, just picture, you know, a scale and everything's level and it's just steady and for a long time. And then all it takes is God to just do one little thing. And what happens if it's, if it's all marbles and they're just perfectly lined up across this, this, um, this pendulum, pendulum, right? And they're all, and then one marble slides to one side, what happens to the rest of them? And how fast it turns. It's immediate, the momentum shift. That's a tipping point. And so I feel like that's what's happening in our church. I feel like that's what's been happening in your families. I, I blamed Shagoon for all of this. I said, this is your fault, Shagoon. You, you, ever since they started praying and God gave them a house, they've been telling us literally every time we see them, every time we talk to them, y'all should just go for it. You should just go for it. I'm like, you are crazy talking right now. And so that's the momentum that's created. I feel like there's that momentum in our house, in our church. I feel like there's a momentum to see impossible things bow in your family. So would you stand? And I just want to pray for two things. I'm going to hand it off. Actually, I want you to come to the front. Yeah. We'll clean some of this up tonight. The first thing I want to pray is that we become really good at being aware of God's presence and his activity in our lives. So if you're with someone here at the front, grab their hand. If you're next to someone, touch a shoulder. But we want to pray and we want to ask God to make us more aware of his presence. God, we know that you're omnipresent. We know that you're everywhere all the time. There's nowhere we could go to escape your presence. It's not even a frightening thing. It's a promise that we are not alone. And so, God, I pray over everyone here in this house and everyone listening to the podcast that
that we would become so aware of your presence in our lives, God, that every decision, everything we face, every mountain and obstacle we come against, we know that we're coming with you with us. (laughs) You are with us. You said you would never leave us. You would never forsake us, but that you would walk with us even to the end of the age, God. And I declare that over these people here. I declare it over every family that they're going to become so aware of your activity that it's going to create momentum in their lives. God, that us as a church, we will become so good at just leaning into your activity that it will create such momentum and tipping points that God, if we sense that you're here to heal and you're here to break captives, we lean into that, God, and it creates a momentum in the room. And I declare that, God, that's the second part we pray for, that as we become more aware of your presence, as we become more enthralled with just being with you and and communing with you in this relationship with you, that momentum and crazy favor comes into our lives, God, because Jesus, you grew in wisdom and in your stature and favor with both God and with man. And I declare that over this house, that the tipping point will come, that there will be a breakthrough season for everyone here, that we will never look back again. We will be fruitful and prosperous the rest of our lives, whatever that looks like. Whatever you want that to look like for us, God, we say yes to it. God, I pray that today that our faith has been stirred up. God, the things that you've done for me, I didn't even go into all the details, but the things that you have done in the last eight days has astounded me. The details that you're in have astounded me, God. God, I pray that my story, Shagoon's story, the other stories we've heard of the testimonies will stir up faith for people in this room, faith for new relationships, faith for new businesses, faith for breakthrough and and healing and deliverance. And I just want us all to stop and just thank him. Jesus, we love you and we thank you for your great faithfulness in our lives. There is no one like you. Everyone wants a king like you. You're the best king. You're a just king. You're a righteous king. You're a merciful, good king. And we are so thankful that we get to have activity with you, that we have access to your heart. God, I'm so glad that we're not hidden in darkness somewhere, but you have enlightened us that we understand you, that we know you, that we can communion with you, that we have fellowship with you. We're glad that we're not servants only, but we're also friends and sons and daughters. We're so glad that you've invited us into this family, that you've invited us into the mystery of the kingdom, God. We are so thankful for your favor in our lives. We're thankful for the hard seasons, God. If you're in a hard season, let's just stop and thank him right now. God, I thank you for the hard seasons because we learn things in the hard season we would not have learned otherwise. The hard season, the desert places where old things that have to die, die. The winter seasons of our life are so good and so beneficial. But as I said last week, winter seasons aren't supposed to last forever. I prophesied over myself last week and didn't even know it. Winter seasons are not even supposed to last forever. Seasons have a purpose and a time frame they're supposed to adhere to. So God, if anyone in here is in a prolonged season of winter, it's over and springtime is here. In Jesus' name. Winter served its purpose, but time for spring. It's time for spring to come. Come on. 
would you do one more thing before handing it off to Hank and Ashley? Would you bless your neighbor? Would you pray that God would astound them, that he would do things for them that they never dreamed were possible? God, I pray that you would astound Neil with amazing things, God. I pray that you would astound him with wonder upon wonder. God, for the Mitchum family, that you would astound them with wonder upon wonder. For the Yarmers, both Yarmer families, that you would astound them with wonder upon wonder upon wonder. For the LaFleurs, God, for the Mills, for Patricia, for Chris, God, that you would astound them. For the Ogu family, you would astound them. For the Wagners, for Debbie, for everyone up here, God, for, for the Lees, God, for Michael and his family, God, that you would astound them with wonder upon wonder. For the Falanas, God, for the Pattersons, both Patterson families, that you would astound us. For Robbie, that you would astound her, God. For Todd and April, God, that you would astound them with your goodness. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, that's so good. Thank you, <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, that's good. Um, I, I usually don't do this up, up front, but like um, uh, uh, I feel like the Lord gave me something to share with somebody, um, somebody that's here. Um, and it's it's uh, the Lord's giving you a target and uh, a mission of some sort, and. Um, everything's blowing up around you. Like it seems like the worst case, worst case scenario, every ounce of you wants to pull out. Every ounce of you wants to just jump ship and, and, and it feels right at the moment, but the Lord is saying, stay there, trust me. Holy Spirit's releasing into you, trust. I know it could be one particular person, it could be all of us, but hang in there, stay in there, trust him. He's gonna whisper into your heart. Uh, uh, just, I mean, I, I don't know, just after that, like, like ask the question, Lord, what are you doing? What are you doing? He's going to speak into you. And, and again, it's easy to pull out. Um, and uh, uh, I just encourage you, just trust him. And I pray over you guys that the increase of trust would begin to happen, uh, even when things are just seem crazy. But just stay the course. Stay, you know, uh, keep going after the mission the Lord has given you. And uh, so, yeah, if y'all need prayer, come on up. I would love to pray for you guys. Anything and everything. Uh, altar ministry. I mean, if y'all want to just come up real quick, just come on up, guys. Uh, we'd love to pray for you. Uh, if you need healing, you need uh, just freedom you need, uh, uh, gosh, if you want to give your life to the Lord, <laughs> just, I mean, uh, what better day uh, than right now? So um, we love you guys and uh, have a good day.